I was invited to men's group by a coworker. When I got there, everybody made me feel very welcome, including Pastor Joseph. I didn't even know he was a pastor, and here I am. Since my time at Common Bond, I've come to know God in a deeper and more personal way. And as we discuss the Bible, He gives me structure and discipline that lets me hear from God and know the plan that He has for my life. This leap of faith has made me more dependent on God's words and promises. It's taught me to serve all people in every area of my life. At Common Bond Church, you'll connect with God through authentic relationships. You'll begin to discover more about God than you've ever experienced before and you'll begin to grow in your faith, your relationship, and your identity with God so that you can begin to lead for God by sharing His truth and love with others. This amazing experience is a place where you too can connect, discover, grow, and lead for God here at Common Bond Church. Amen. Are you ready to hear the word of God? Well, I'm so ready to proclaim it. And today, the message that we have titled is Love in This Season. And so if you're ready to hear that message, we're going to worship with one more song and then immediately we'll open up God's word and hear the message, Love in This Season. Amen. Hallelujah. Can we celebrate the King today? Can we lift up Emmanuel? If you know this song, come on and join in with me.
chapter 12, verse 1 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for this word. And Lord, thank you for this opportunity that you have given to us to hear your word, to have it transform our life, our mind, and to be a people who have a sweet smelling aroma to you, who is pleasing in your sight. So Lord, I pray, Lord, today that you give us the hearts to hear this word. Lord, also pray that you give me a mouth to proclaim it. Lord, let this not be words that I thought in my head, but words that come directly from the throne room of God, from the Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, please use me. And from the top of my head to the soles of my feet, I submit to you right now so that we can hear this word that God has for us. And Lord, when we begin to hear this word in a way that we move about because you have actually led us into a pathway that you so desire, let us always come back giving you the praise, glory, and honor. And Lord, we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. As we think about this season, I want to remind you that it is still Advent. And as we think about Advent, there are four themes that consistently are supposed to teach us and remind us about what this season is really about. And those four themes are hope, joy, peace, and then the last one is love. And today I wanted to share with you more about this theme of love because it's so different, so awesome, so big than you and I could ever express in this world. In chapter 12 of verse 1, the word of God says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, 
to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. In some translation says, which is your true worship? Another translation might say, which is your reasonable worship? God says to you, he says to me that because of who I am and because of what's available to you because of me, the natural thing that you should do, the spiritual thing that you should do, the realest thing that you can do in this world is actually present your bodies as a living sacrifice. And so I wanted to break that down for us today, because if I think about the Christmas season and it's about the gifts, it's about the love of family. It's about the movies, the homework movies, the lifetime movies, those themes that always show us that something is about to happen big in our life. You know, we think about those kind of themes is this joy, you know, this happiness that only happens one time a season. But God wants to remind us that the biggest theme that he actually wants to give us is himself. And the biggest thing that we can ever really think about from that perspective is the love that God has actually provided for us. You know, the story of Jesus being a baby and being found by uh, the wise men. I'm sure you remember that they brought gifts to him. You know, they brought an offering to him. And that's actually what this word is actually referring to in Romans chapter 12, verse one, when it talks about we should be living sacrifices. It says you've got to give an offering to God because of how good he's been in your life. And so I want us to think about the offering that the wise men actually gave to baby Jesus, you know, baby Jesus at this certain time. Because if you go back to um, Matthew chapter two, for example, it begins to talk about the Magi. And so if you have your Bibles, we'll turn here together and I want you to look at the offering that that the wise men actually gave to the baby Jesus Christ. And then we're going to talk about that a little bit as we begin to pack out what does it mean to actually be a living sacrifice to God. And so we're at Matthew chapter two, and I'm going to read verse 11. So if you have your Bible, you can turn there with me. Should also be on your screen so you can see it there. Amen. Amen. Help us, Holy Spirit. In verse 11, the word of God begins to tell us the story. Right. So they're searching for the one who is supposed to be the coming one of Israel. And as they search diligently for him, they find him in the house. And here's the word of God actually says to us in verse 11. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and they worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense and myrrh. They offered him gifts. They recognized that I had to give an offering to be in the presence of God. God was now present with us. Emmanuel, God with us, was now present with us. And the natural thing that I'm supposed to do is actually give an offering back to God. You know, that's one of the reasons why we give presents during the Christmas season, because we are celebrating the gift giving process. But the gift giving process always roots back into this presence that God actually wants us to recognize because he is in our midst. You know, that's what it actually means for us to give a sacrifice, to give an offering. We are acknowledging the presence of God is actually with us. And that stems all the way from the Old Testament. It stems from all the way from the children of Israel when they actually used to give offerings in the tabernacle, sacrifices to God. You know, the children of Israel used to give at least five offerings to God because his presence was in the tabernacle. Think about that. Because God's presence was near them, they would actually give a sacrifice to God, thanking him, thanking him for being present with them in their life. You know, that's what it actually means to be a living sacrifice is that we are thanking God for simply being present with us, present in this world. 
you know, that's, we're going to get into some good stuff because I want us to recognize that when God is calling us to be a living sacrifice, we are thanking God that he is ever present in our life. And man, I'm so thankful today that God is present with me, <laughs> that's present with my family, because when I think about the hard things that we go through in life, when I think about the hard things that I see on the news, when I think of the hard things that we are experiencing right now, even in our midst, I am thankful for the presence of God because he gives me hope. You know, he gives me something to actually think about that he is bigger and mightier than my current present circumstances. And for that, I'm thankful for. You know, when we have this opportunity, even right now, to be able to pray together and to begin to ask God to be our strength, you know, to say that those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. We are doing it by faith, knowing that God has drawn us near, that he has brought us into his presence. And for that, I got to give God an offering. <laughs> you know, I got to give God something to be able to thank him for because he has been present with us to help me when no one else could actually help me the way that God actually could help me. Now, I'm, I'm getting a little bit more excited with you right now and a little bit further than I wanted to get right now. But I wanted to, uh, to celebrate a theme with you. I want to celebrate this theme in verse one of Romans chapter 12 that says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. You know, we are we present our bodies as a living sacrifice because it goes back to the theme of what a sacrifice means, what an offering means. It means that whenever God is in your presence, it's something that you got to give back to him. You got to say, God, because you're in my presence, I got to give you this offering. I got to give you this sacrifice because you are that good. You are that awesome in my life for all that you have done. And so I wanted to remind you, if you don't know, um, or even share with you for the first time, if you don't know, I wanted to remind you and share with you uh, some of the things that an offering meant, some of the things that an offering meant and a sacrifice meant in the Old Testament. You know, there's about four things and five, four or five things that at least we want to talk about and share about what an offering meant. One of them is called the burnt offering. And the burnt offering in the children of Israel was because God was present, they would actually bring a certain kind of animal, a bull, a lamb, uh, anything that they had available that was um, that was important to them, uh, that was a, a sacrifice to them, that was of great worth to them. They would actually bring it to the tabernacle and it would first be a pleasing aroma to God. When they actually present it on the altar, you know, they would burn it, they would kind of cook it, and it would actually bring up the smell to the Lord. You know, just like we would go to any great barbecue and we smell that food. You know, that food is actually a pleasing aroma to God. And that was the acknowledgement, you know, to them, Lord, we want to pray to you. We want to thank you. We want to actually be part of your presence. So that was the first thing. And then the next thing was a, a grain offering. You know, the grain offering was just a gift. A gift they would bring to God just to say, Lord, we thank you just for being available to us. And we just want to provide you with a gift, just like the wise men, you know, brought gold and frankincense and myrrh, some of their expensive items of that world. They brought that as a gift to Christ Jesus because his presence was just near to them. But then there's also some important themes that I also wanted to share with you that they would continually do over and over again, not only just to be in the presence of God, but to continually stay in his presence because of who they were as people. And, you know, we as people, because of the life of sin that we live and because of the things that we do, it actually prevents us from always being in the presence of God. And so they would offer these sacrifices over and over again so that they could actually continually be in the in the presence of God. And they called it a peace offering. You know, the first is a peace offering, meaning that uh, it was an offering of fellowship. It was just saying, Lord, I want to actually 
stay in your presence. And so they would give God this this uh, offering that, again, could be another animal that they would put on the altar. And that would actually let God know, let God know that I actually want to be in fellowship with you. I want to be in covenant with you. I want to be in communion with you. And the, the other offering they would offer, uh, knowing that they had actually done something wrong in their life, they would offer again another animal, you know, another sacrifice before the Lord. And it was almost as if they were giving reparations to God. It said, because I'm guilty, Lord, <laughs> because I'm guilty, I actually want to uh, put something to the offering, you know, right before you so that you can acknowledge what I've done and I can actually pay for that. Life. Uh, and then the last offering was the sin offering. You know, the offering that we are separated from God, they will offer this to the Lord so that the Lord would actually just forgive them of their sins. And so as you think about those things today, those five offerings, you think about how we don't live that kind of life today. Think about how the fact that there is one lamb and his name is Christ Jesus, who was sent to this world to be an offering for us. You know, all of us has probably heard about this Christ Jesus in a way where we understand that Christ Jesus has brought us into relationship. So he has been what is described as the peace offering for our life. You know, he has been described as the one who actually brings us into relationship, into covenant with God so that we can actually speak face to face with God and actually be in his presence. And I love that about Christ Jesus is that I'm so thankful that I have the opportunity today in my life to actually be in prayer with God, to actually say to him the things that I have need for, uh, to be comforted by the Lord. To be able to go into places where he gives me vision, he gives me hope, and he actually calls me his son. He calls me into a destiny and a future that I actually have with him. You know, that is the offering that Christ Jesus, the baby, the lamb, has actually presented for you and presented for me and actually in my personal life. The other thing that Christ Jesus has actually done in our life today, that we actually should acknowledge of who he is, you know, as being the sacrifice for our own life, is that he has actually done the reparation for us, you know, the guilt offering. He has been the one who has paid the penalty of sin on our behalf. He has told God they don't have to pay it. I'll actually pay it on their behalf. You know, he has been the one who has actually sanctified us through the guilt, through the sin offering. And that sin offering meant to help us to be purified, to help us to be holy again in God. And you know that you and I have been able to receive what's described as the Holy Spirit, who sanctifies us, who convicts us of sin, who guides us into the all the pathways of truth because Jesus Christ was the offering and the sacrifice for our life. Now, I wanted to share all those things about those sacrifices and the offerings because I wanted to show us just how meaningful it actually means in a biblical sense to give God an offering. You know, that's how meaningful it is. You know, without an offering, without a sacrifice itself, there is no relationship that you actually have with God. Without an offering, without a sacrifice, there is no connection that we truly actually have for God. And so sometimes I think that we take for granted. You know, we take for granted this relationship that God has actually provided us through Christ Jesus and how different it was for the children of Israel. All the things that they actually had to do just to stay in the presence of God. And so today I wanted to share with us that because of what Christ Jesus has done for us, that's why we actually understand verse 34, verse 35, verse 36 of Romans chapter 11. Because we can say, who has known the mind of the Lord? Who has been his counselor? You know, who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For who, for from him and through him and to him all things, to him be glory and forever and ever. Amen. You know, there's this acknowledgement in our life because God is in our press presence and we can't do anything else but actually 
acknowledge what he has done and actually recognize that at being the greatest thing in our life. And that's what I'm thinking about today. When I think about this theme of Advent, this celebration that we'll have of Christmas is just the presence of God himself. You know, the presence for us to know that I am no longer in the dark. <laughs> I'm no longer alienated and separated from God. But God sent his only begotten son so that I may forever be in the presence of God. You know, I don't have to have a darkened mind. You know, I have, don't have to have a mind that is of this world. God will, will give me a place and a seat at the table and actually be with him. The same thing he, he actually gives with you. So because of that, <laughs> that's where we get into chapter 12. When we begin to turn the page and Paul begins to say, because of those things, I now appeal to you by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. So when you think about what do you owe God today? <laughs> that's the question. You know, what do you owe God for all the things that he has done to allow us to be in his presence? You know, do I off, do I need to offer him money? <laughs> you know, do I need to offer him uh, my my voice to be able to say, Lord, I'm sorry for what I've done. You know, what do I need to offer the Lord so that he can actually be in my presence? And when you think of like Cain and Abel, you know, there were two offerings, right? Uh, Abel offered a, a, a sacrifice to the Lord that the Bible described that was pleasing to the Lord. Another sacrifice that was given by, was by Cain himself. And Cain offered a sacrifice to the Lord that was just, you know, I'm going to give something because my brother gave a, an offering, but, you know, it's not my best offering. It's, it's just something that I, I'm going to give that appeases God. You know, think about this. God actually responded both their offerings, and he actually responded to Abel's offering in a way that was telling him that I am well pleased you know, well pleased with what you are doing. The offering that Cain actually gave to God, the Lord said, if you don't do well, don't you know that I actually will accept you as well in the same kind of manner? And so I wanted you to think about, you know, what is an offering that's pleasing to the Lord? Because some of us, you know, we just give God a tip. <laughs> you know, we give God just a little bit of, of, of who we are. And some of us would just give a God a dollar here, a dollar there. And I'm not even talking financially, but I'm talking about the resources of our life. I'm talking about all that we are with our gifts, skills and ability. And we just give God just tips. You know, we just give God a little bit. We're not willing to give him our best. You know, we're not willing to give him the good things of our life because of how good he's actually been to us. And so that's what I wanted to share with you today, that when we, when, when we are required by God, is to give him our best offering, our best sacrifice, the best thing that we actually have imaginable. So when you think about the wise men, <laughs> the wise men gave an offering of gold and frankincense and myrrh, expensive items because they knew how good God was. They knew how good the presence of God was in their life. You know, today God is calling us to actually think about, well, what is the greatest offering that you can actually give to God in your own personal life? You know, so I want you to think about the offerings that you've ever given to God. You know, I'm thinking about the financial offerings that you've given. I'm thinking about the talent offerings that you've given. I'm thinking about the things that you've actually done for the church and sacrificed the service that you've given to God. You know, those are all things that are described as sacrifices that we would use in this age. But today, I also want to magnify your mind to the word that is described as a living sacrifice. You know, God is describing to us that the greatest sacrifice that he wants us to give is ourself, ourself to him. You know, I wanted to remind you, if you have your Bibles with you, what 
uh, Jesus actually taught us and showed us as he was living with his disciples. That's found in, in John chapter 15. John chapter 15, verse uh, 13. So if you have your Bibles, just turn it with me real quickly. I wanted to read this to you in John chapter 15, verse 13. Jesus Christ said, greater love has no one than this, that someone should lay down his life for his friends. Greater love has no one than this, that someone should lay down his life for his friends. That's the greatest sacrifice. That's what it actually means to be a living sacrifice is deciding, Lord, I'm going to give up my all for you. But my, be mindful of how Romans chapter 12 talked about this sacrifice. It says a living sacrifice. So God didn't tell us to actually burn up our body or to kill ourselves as a sacrifice to him. He told us to be a living sacrifice. And what that means to you and what that means to me is that we live in a way where we present our bodies before God and we give God everything that we have. We don't reserve anything for ourselves, but we acknowledge that, God, you deserve it all. You deserve my whole mind and you deserve my whole thought life. You deserve all of my resources, all of my ability, all that you've given to me. I use it at your disposal for your glory. I use it for all the things that are necessary that you have declared for me to actually be in this world. That's what it actually means to be a living sacrifice is to lay yourself down for the Lord and say, Lord, I give it all back to you. <laughs> now, my question is, you do you think that that the Lord is worth that in your life? Do you think that being a sacrifice to the Lord is worth what God has actually presented to you and given to you by being in his presence? Because I can actually share with you that there is nothing greater in this world today than actually to be in the presence of God. Because when you think about being in the presence of God, it means that it is the opposite of what it actually means to be present in this world. And I was mindful to share with you earlier that when I began to think about the presence of this world, Man, there's so much hurting, <laughs> there's so much difficulty, there's so much pain that we experience every single day. But God says, I always have something better than what you are experiencing in this world. There is nothing that we will experience in this world apart from God that won't include pain, that won't actually include death, that won't actually include difficulty. But God says, in spite of those things, you are more than conquerors. You are overcomers in the world by your faith. So, you know, God has always consistently tell us that in the presence of this world, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. You know, all those scriptures begin to remind us of the flip side that is available in God versus the flip side that's in this world. So God has prevent, provided for us a new kingdom a new reality when God has actually sent his only begotten son. He has truly given us peace. He has truly given us joy. He has truly given us new hope. And he has truly given us a new way to understand what love actually means. And we've talked about love in the aspect of making sure that we understand that love is not just um, emotional lovey-doveys. <laughs> but love truly, from God's perspective, is a sacrifice. You know, a sacrifice that means that you are giving of something that is truly valuable to you, to someone that um, could truly understand how significant that is. And I wanted to share with us one thing. Um, go with me to the great love chapter. <laughs> if anybody knows what that means, that's Romans chapter, um, that's 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the great love chapter. 
I wanted to read for you the beginning of the love chapter and hear what the word of God actually says through the Apostle Paul. He says in verse one of first Corinthians chapter 13, if I speak in the tongue of men and of angels, but not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and knowledge, and if I have faith so as to move mountains, but not have love. I am nothing. If I don't have love, I am nothing. If I give away all that I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but not have love, I gain nothing. What God is actually sharing with us to be a living sacrifice is that we gain something. We gain something special when we decide to actually be a living sacrifice as God has actually called us to be in this world. And so that's why I'm sharing with you how good it actually means to be a living sacrifice and to give God this gift this season. And so I know that you have already created your Christmas list, already created the things that you actually want to give to your loved ones, give to those who are around you today. But I want you to add another name to that list. I want you to add a name that's described as God and actually begin to write on him the thing that you could actually give to him as a living sacrifice today. You know, what can you actually begin to give to God because he is so deserving? And I wanted to remind you, as you begin to think about that, too, that there is an aspect in our life that we don't begin to love in a way that God has called us to love, that we gain nothing in this world. You know, we gain nothing in this world because God has called us to actually push a little bit further. He has called us to experience something greater because of what we decided to actually give to him in his presence. So let me read to you what it actually says in Romans chapter 12. God says to us, therefore, I appeal to you as brothers and sisters by the mercy of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. It's just what you're supposed to do. So we talked about that. But he says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that by testing you may discern the will of God what is good and acceptable and perfect. And God is trying to get us to a place to understand what is the will of God in our life, what is perfect in our life, what is acceptable, why God has actually created us and put this on this planet. You know, God has given us a purpose and a destiny, and we will never find that out until we decide to actually be the living sacrifice of God. That's how powerful it actually is to actually obey this word called love in this season. Because God is saying to you and he's saying to me, if you really want to understand why you were created for this world, if you really want to understand why I actually put you into this eternal realm to actually live forever, you actually have to go through this process called being a living sacrifice. Once you become a living sacrifice, you will understand what the will of God is. You will understand what is the good and acceptable and perfect in your life. You will begin to understand all the questions that you actually have. You know, the Bible actually tells us that faith worketh, do not faith worketh without love, meaning that we actually need our, we need love in our life to actually push us to the depths of faith, to push us to the places where God truly desires us to be in our life. Many of us believe things that God wants us to do, but we have yet to become that living sacrifice that God calls us to do to really understand what it actually means in our life. And I wanted to be mindful that that God doesn't want us to be living sacrifices for the sake of being the sacrifice. You know, God wants us to be the sacrifice because of the fact that he has transformed us. And I must say this part. None of us can actually be the living sacrifice for God unless grace is given to us. 
You know, I got to repeat that part because there's sometimes where we try to uh, force ourselves to be something that God didn't give us the grace for. But when I share this theme from Romans chapter 12, I'm reminding you that God is actually calling people who have actually been saved. You know, individuals who have actually already trusted in the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And now God's saying, I want to give you something more. I want you to go to the depths of life to even understand what is the perfect will of God. And so there is something special that I wanted to share with you if you are a Christian by saying that you can actually do this. You know, this is something that is available to you and available to me because God has deposited something called grace. And when I think about grace, you know, I think about this aspect where God begins to pour something on me that I didn't know that was available for me to do. And many of you and many of us can think about this love aspect and recognize how difficult it really means to actually love someone that is unlovable or to actually be a living sacrifice. You know, I'm reminded of Ephesians chapter five and another place where God begins to call men themselves to be sacrificed. God told husbands to love your wife as Christ loved the church. And you and I know that means that that Christ loved love the church in a way of being able to die for the church, you know, to be a, a sacrifice to the church itself. That's how great love is. And God calls men to be a living sacrifice to their wives every single day. You know, he calls husbands to that, that great death. And I know that as a man, I can only do that through the grace of God. I can't do that in my own natural power, not even by the greatest love that I have for my wife. Only by the grace of God can we ever be a living sacrifice to God. And I wanted to share that with you because none of us can actually love the way that God loves unless we actually ask God for the grace or recognize that the grace is actually deposited into us. You know, that means that looking in your life, you begin to go through the rest of Romans chapter 12 and recognize what it actually does mean to be a true Christian. You know, and I'll use some of those themes. It says, verse 10 of Romans chapter 10, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be zothful in zeal. Be fervent in the spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in, in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, prideful, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. All of those themes are examples of how to actually be a living sacrifice. You know, when somebody is getting on your nerves, God is actually calling us to actually sacrifice in a way where the grace of God enables us to be still in their presence and actually to continue to love. You know, when somebody is making us angry or even persecuting us, talking bad about us, God says, you don't have to get in the mud with them. Instead, what you can actually do is bless them. You know, how hard is that in our natural self to bless somebody who is cursing you out, who is actually dogging your name? God says the grace that is within you because you're a Christian enables you to do those things. You know, I've been telling other people when I've when I've read some of the Beatitudes this week, you know, I rejoiced about the fact that the gift that God has given to me to actually be something different in the world. And that's what what it actually means to be a Christian, to be something different than I naturally am inclined to be in this world. And one of the things I actually thought about was, again, was the, the amount of sin that we have in this world, the repercussions of sin, the difficulties that happen in our life because that we live in a fallen world. And one of the things that I noticed 
is that because we see these things over and over again, I can have a heart that is sometimes callous, you know, callous to what we see. And naturally speaking is what I'm referring to. You know, there are times where I can watch something on the news and I can see a shooting or I can see, you know, a, a community in harm. And when I actually see those things, because I've seen it so much, it's like just another thing, you know, just another thing. But I'll just be reminded today of what the Bible actually says in like Matthew chapter five, verse, verse three, for example. It says, blessed are those who mourn. Same thing actually says in here where we have this opportunity to weep with those who weep. And I'm reading verse 15, rejoice with those who rejoice, but also weep with those who weep. You know, God has, has given a gift to us to mourn with those who are mourning a gift to actually see what is in the world and actually truly be mournful of it. And, and, and I want to remind you of what the Bible says in, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. And if you have your Bibles, turn it with me. But it says, blessed is that individual. Blessed is the individual that has a heart that begins to mourn for what they see in this world, because he shall be comforted. She shall be comforted when we mourn. And so there's a gift where I can actually tap into the grace of God and say, God, <laughs> I see the pain of this world. I see people who are in sin. I see my own sin life, the things sometimes that I do. And, I, and Lord, I don't get callous anymore, but Lord, I turn to your grace and I begin to say, Lord, how shameful, how hard. Lord, I mourn, I weep, you know, for the things that are actually difficult in this world. And God begins to comfort me and begins to comfort you and begins to comfort us in a way that provides a new kind of joy in our life because we have a new hope that the world does not have. You know, a new hope that the world actually provides for us. Then he might even tell us, well, I, I want you to actually extend a hand. Be my loving gift and be my loving grace to those who actually need it. And that is where the greatest gift always comes from. So when we think about being a living sacrifice, the greatest joy we will ever find in this world is when we actually learn to actually give back to others in need. I've said it many times during the holiday season, during the Christmas season, that it's always more joyful to give than it actually is to receive. And I'm now sharing not just, you know, trinkets of gifts that we might put under the tree, but now I'm actually talking about being a living sacrifice. There's no greater joy to actually give up your life for God and actually serve it for him in a way that God truly desires for us. There's an unspeakable grace, unspeakable grace that happens in our life only to the point of where we begin to experience what Christ Jesus has provided for us. He came into this world born in the manger to be that living sacrifice. He humbled himself in mind and thought against all of the, the natural inclinations of his flesh and decided to live out this life that God has given to us so that we can actually have something great. And that's the calling that God has given us as well as to be a living sacrifice. It means to give up our rights in the world that tells you that your right is the most important thing in this world to give up the natural desires that we want to do in this world and say, God, I'm not going to do that. I know that I have a right to do that, but I'm not going to do it because I give it to you as a living sacrifice. Lord, there's some natural things in my life that I want to do that's even sinful. You might want to do that sinful. And we can actually have the power by being living sacrifices and say, Lord, I'm not even going to do that anymore. By your grace, I lay it down before you. By your grace, I now ask for your help to actually move in a place of holiness and actually do what is only pleasing in your sight. And when I do those things, Lord, your word actually tells me, Lord, that I'll find your perfect will. I'll find what is good, acceptable and perfect in you. God is sharing with us this Christmas season, this Advent season, 
love that is unspeakable, love that the world does not have, love that the world can't even flip on its side and try to manufacture. It's the greatest thing that you and I will actually experience this season where God begins to share with us just how powerful he is. Now, as we share this message today, I wanted to remind you today that I was speaking to individuals that have accepted Christ Jesus as their Lord and Savior. There is none of us on the planet Earth that can actually love as a living sacrifice unless the grace of God has been provided in your life. And the greatest example of that, again, is Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus came into this world so that we may no longer have sin, so that we may have eternal life in Christ Jesus for all of eternity. And so I wanted to invite you, if you've heard this message today and you have yet to accept the true reality and true magnitude of who Jesus is today. I've shared a little bit of it with you today, that God has sent his only begotten son, that we shall no longer perish, but have everlasting life. That is the greatest gift. It provides us with the presence of God himself. It provides us with new hope. It gives us a peace that in the midst of circumstance, in the midst of difficulty, we have something that the world can't provide for us. It provides us with an opportunity to deal with the guilt of sin, to deal with the guilt of shame that is upon our life. God says, I repaid all those things that you feel today if you can only just trust in me. That's what Christ Jesus means in this season. And I want to give you the opportunity to begin to walk new in him. Will you pray this prayer with me? Dear Lord, thank you so much for this gift that we have that's called Christ Jesus. Thank you for the loving sacrifice that he has been. And Lord, today I believe that he died and came into this world so that I may have the forgiveness of sin and that I may live in relationship with the eternal God for all of eternity. I believe that Christ Jesus died, was buried, and was raised again. And because of that, I'm made new in him. If you have prayed that prayer with me, I would love for you to connect with me in a greater way. Please go out to our website at Common Bond Church, fill out a comment card so I can get your contact information and reach out to you. Also, if you are on our uh, social media channels, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, we can actually stay connected there and actually follow up with you if you actually let us know that you've prayed that prayer of faith. My friends, my family, those who are connected to Common Bond Church, I want to thank you for uh, worshiping with me this morning. I want to leave us with one last word of benediction. May the grace of God be with us. May the mercy of God be with us. We have one true Savior. His name is Jesus Christ. We have Christmas that is on the horizon, so I wanted to bid you a special Merry Christmas. Uh, we will uh, be still be worshiping with you online, so tune in next week so that we can actually worship together the Lord during this Christmas season. Amen. Have a good day. Bye-bye. to certain